Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde, and thanks for downloading the Bengals Booth Podcast. The We'll Go Dancing in the Dark, Walking Through the Park and Reminiscing. Edition as Dave Lapham joins me for a special look back at our 10 years together in the Bengals Broadcast Booth. The Bengals Booth Podcast is presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. And here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean. It's the greatest thing since Prisma. About a week ago, I posted a humorous picture on Twitter, and Paul Daner Jr., who does a phenomenal job of covering the Bengals for The Athletic, jokingly responded that he would like that picture as an oil painting. That got me thinking, surely there's an app out there that can turn your photos into paintings, or at least images of paintings. As it turns out, there are many, but the one I used is called Prisma, P-R-I-S-M-A. You can get a three-day trial before having to pay for it. Here's how it works. You upload a picture and then select from a variety of filters to basically transform it into a painting. I did it with several pictures that were on my phone, and they turned out great. In fact, my Twitter avatar now looks like a painting of me on the Fox Sports Ohio anchor desk. So, I highly recommend a three-day free trial of the Prisma app. You'll wonder how Picasso and Van Gogh got a hold of your pictures. Now, time for football. This week, we're going to take a break from the draft and free agency for something a little different as Dave Lapham and I look back at our decade together in the broadcast booth. Since we just completed our 10th year together, I reached out to Lap and proposed the following idea, 10 years, 10 plays, where we would each pick out a most significant and or favorite play from each season, share the radio call, and then reminisce about each year. We did not discuss our selections in advance, so in some years, they're sure to be the same, and in other years, very different. It's time to find out as Lap joins me for 10 years, 10 plays. Lap, our first year together was 2011. The Bengals were coming off a 4-12 and season. Everybody will remember that Carson Palmer said, I'm done. I'm retiring before I play for the Bengals again. So what did the Bengals do? They drafted A.J. Green in round one. They drafted Andy Dalton in round two. After a 1-2 and two start, they won five straight games to get to the halfway point of the season at 6-2. and two. They eventually went 9-7 and seven during the regular season, earned a playoff berth, as a wild card team before losing at Houston 31 to 10. So we're going to pick out a highlight or possibly two, if we disagree on the 2011 season, I'm going to pick Christmas Eve, a home game against the Arizona Cardinals, a game the Bengals eventually won 23 to 16. Who could forget Jerome Simpson with the forward somersault and sticking the landing 
on a spectacular touchdown catch from Andy Dalton. Second down, Dalton back to pass. Good pocket for Andy. He throws. Nice. Simpson makes the catch. He's to the 10, the 5. Oh. He leaps oh. and goes flying oh. into the end zone. Oh. Superman style oh for Jerome Simpson. 16-0 Bengals. Boy, I'll tell you what. The Russian judge gives that a 10.0. He stuck the landing. It was unbelievable. I, I, I'm thinking it was Reggie Walker that he, he basically did like a front flip over. I mean, he goes airborne and just flips himself over Reggie Walker. I've seen him do these kind of things in warm-ups. This guy is like a, a, athletically a gymnast. I mean, the way he goes up and over and, over and sticks that landing, my goodness. Nadia Coleman each would be uh, proud of that flip that he did. It was uh, such an athletic play. And it, it was on highlight after a highlight all season long that particular year. It's, uh, it's, it's very rare to uh, involve gymnastics, I think, in the, uh, in the National Football League, although they are, you know, they're so fluid, so gifted, so athletic. And Simpson, uh, no exception to that rule. So that was the uh, biggest highlight in both of our opinions in the uh, 2011 season. A couple of other things stood out to me. Bruce Gradkowski in week one coming off the bench for an injured Andy Dalton. 41-yard touchdown pass to A.J. Green with less than five minutes to go, giving the Bengals a win that got them off to a great start in the post Carson Palmer era. That was A.J. Green's only catch in his NFL debut, but it was a game winner. Uh, In week four of that season, they were in danger of falling to one and three. They fell behind Buffalo 17-3 at the half. Andy Dalton rallied them back. Mike Nugent hit a field goal at the gun to win that game 23-20 and started a five-game winning streak in Andy's rookie year that basically was the key to making that rookie year playoff appearance. And as a rookie quarterback, to make the playoffs, uh, and there was a work stoppage. So it was, it was not an easy offseason. Uh, you know, Andrew Whitworth, Domitop Pecco took the charge and, and organized the team. They had practices, uh, workouts, and that sort of thing. But without any coaching staff, for Andy Dalton and A.J. Green uh, to be able to lead their offensive side of the football team to the playoffs as rookies is, is, uh, is quite an accomplishment. And as you mentioned, Andy Dalton leading a fourth-quarter uh, fourth drive and a field goal at the gun, that was uh, one of many game-winning drives that he engineered. I mean, Andy Dalton was strong in that area as well. He had a great career with the Bengals, no doubt, Dan. All right, we move to our second season together, 2012. The Bengals started that year 3-1, and one, then they lost four in a row. They were 3-5 and five at the midway point of the season. At that point, it didn't seem likely that they would go to the playoffs for the second consecutive year, but they went 7-1 and one in the second half of the season to finish 10-6. and six. That meant another wild card playoff appearance. They went back on the road to Houston for the second year in a row, much closer the second time around, but they lost a tight one against the Texans uh, to drop their second straight playoff appearance with Andy Dalton at quarterback. Looking back at uh, highlights from that season, what's your number one pick? Well, it would be the Washington football team, as they're known now, uh, the Bengals on the road (laughs) against Washington. And uh, wide receiver Mohamed Sanu had played quarterback. Even at the collegiate level at Rutgers, he had played quarterback. And he had a howitzer. Man, he had a very powerful, strong throwing arm. Could throw it a a mile. Maybe not pinpoint accuracy all the time, but he could lay it out there. And uh, the very first offensive snap of the game, they ran a little gadget gimmick play. Jay Gruden, known for his creativity, 
he uh, came out of the box with one here and Mohamed Sanu to AJ Green, 73 yards later, touchdown Bengals. Here's how it sounded week three in Washington. Mohamed Sanu ready to take a shotgun snap on the first play from scrimmage for Cincinnati. This is an interesting look. He fakes a handoff. He fires oh, deep downfield for A.J. Green. Oh, Green makes baby. the catch. He's at the 20, oh. sprinting to the 10. He'll take oh. it into the end zone for a touchdown. <laughs> a 73-yard pass from Mohamed Sanu to Adriel <laughs> Jeremiah Green. So I was a little surprised you selected that lap. I thought you might pick a play from week 12. It was the return of Carson Palmer to Paul Brown Stadium. The first time he dropped back to pass. He didn't even uh, hit his back foot before Geno Atkins plastered him into the turf at Fall Brown Stadium. Yeah, I think uh, I think that was a, a welcome back, you know, welcome home. And, and they they really uh, were motivated to to uh, put it to Carson Palmer, and they did. I mean, right away, as you say, Geno Atkins in this prime of his career, uh, Carson Palmer barely had time to look down the football field and try to look up any intended receiver. He was on his backside quickly. Bengals won that game 34 to 10. Carson had a passer rating of 64.1. Andy Dalton, three touchdown passes and a passer rating of 109. So I thought that that was a day where Bengals fans officially said, you know what? Carson Palmer had his moments, but we've got our guy. Uh, Andy Dalton is going to be our guy going forward. And obviously, uh, Andy was the man for nine seasons. My pick, however, from that 2012 season, comes from the next to last game of the regular year. It was two days before Christmas in Pittsburgh. If the Bengals won the game, they would clinch a playoff berth and they would knock the Pittsburgh Steelers out of the playoffs on their home field. At that point, Dalton and Green did not have a win over Pittsburgh, but you'll recall late in that game, Reggie Nelson came up with an interception with 24 seconds to go. On the next play, Andy Dalton hit A.J. Green for a 21-yard gain, and that set up Josh Brown taking over at kicker for an injured Mike Nugent with a chance to boot the Bengals into the postseason. The target is 43 yards away, 18 feet, 6 inches wide, 10 feet off the ground, shaped like a U, and it spells a W if Josh Brown can split it. Huber is the holder, Harris is the snapper from the right hash mark. Snap is good, the kick is up, plenty on it. Absolutely! Yes! Four seconds to go, and the Bengals have a 13-10 lead. Oh, man, how about that clutch kick right there? That was a thrilling win at Heinz Field. Bengals obviously didn't have a lot of victories over Pittsburgh during the uh, Dalton Green era. That was the biggest. Again, it uh, propelled them into their second consecutive playoff appearance. Unfortunately, they wound up losing for the second straight year in Houston. So we move on to 2013, a year that began with the return to hard knocks for the Bengals. We learned that uh, Giovanni Bernard drove a minivan after being a second round draft pick. We learned that uh, James Harrison, who joined the Bengals that year, basically intimidated everybody on the roster. Uh, the Bengals got off to an excellent start that year. They were seven and two with a four game winning streak. They finished 11 and five to win the AFC North. They were 8-0 at home that year during the regular season, earning them the opportunity to host the Chargers in the playoffs, and they lost to Phillip Rivers and then San Diego 27-10. I thought of Marvin Lewis's seven playoff losses. That was the most difficult one to stomach. I thought that was a game the Bengals clearly should have won. 
Yeah, I thought they were the better football team as well, Dan, and uh, just did not execute the way they should have uh, in in that football game. Uh, I don't know if playoff performances or, or bad playoff performances were in their heads or whatever at that point in time. You know, there's it, it's easy to say no, uh, but having having uh, been uh, you know, uh, an NFL player, sometimes things do get in your head, you know, collectively as a football team. So, um, the only way to erase that kind of thing is to get off to a good start and, and, and win a football game. And they weren't able to get that done with Marvin Lewis, unfortunately. So we'll pick out a couple of memorable plays from that season. My selection comes from week nine. It was Thursday night football, Halloween night in Miami. It was actually a game the Bengals lost, but I'm picking this play anyway because it was so spectacular. Giovanni Bernard on a run from the 35-yard line gets slowed down at the 40, five yards behind the line of scrimmage, escapes, runs five more yards backward to the 45, and then eventually turns it upfield, goes to the sideline, cuts to the middle of the field, does a somersault on his way into the end zone. Let's listen back to the most spectacular play, Giovanni Bernard's tenure in Cincinnati. Bernard running to the right, in trouble, gets away from a tackle. Uh He's going the wrong way. He's way back at the 46. Now he turns upfield to the 30, the 25, the 20, down to the 15, cutting back to the middle of the field to the 10, the 5, touchdown! Giovanni Bernard, there are no flags. He went backward 10 yards, turned the corner, broke tackles, weaved his way through traffic, and in the end is a 35-yard touchdown that could tie this game. I think he went 100 yards to run 35. All right, Lap, I selected a, uh, a play from a loss. How about you? Which play stands out for you in that 2013 season? Well, that one play, one more comment on the play you picked out, Dan. I mean, it's one of those deals where the running back runs twice as many yards and only gets credit for half of them. You know, I mean, Giovanni Bernard, was he was serpentine everywhere on that, on that touchdown run. That was incredible. Uh, I picked a, a defensive score play. Um, you're playing against an NFL playoff caliber team, the Green Bay Packers with the legendary Aaron Rodgers at the quarterback position. When you can get an unscripted, unconventional score in a football game like that, it, it makes a big difference. And they were able to do that. Terrence Newman picked up a fumble and in, uh, in race to the end zone, and, and it stunned Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers a little bit in that football game. And I thought it was a, you know, a big uh, turning point in their victory in that game. Bengals fans will remember that play as ball is out. Ball is out. (laughs) The Bengals had a 14, nothing lead. The Packers scored 30 straight to take a 30 to 14 lead in the third quarter. And then the Bengals rallied green Bay still had the lead with four minutes to go. They were up by three. They decided to go for it on fourth and one at the Cincinnati 30. And here's what happened. Rogers has it. Gives to Franklin. He no, dives. No, I don't think no, he got it. I no. don't think Ball's he got out. it. Ball's the ball out. is out. Ball's the Bengals have scooped Ball's it up. Out. Terrence yeah. Newman running back yeah. to the 30, yeah. 20, yeah. 10, yeah. 5. Touchdown. Oh, Will it stand? Woo. Terrence Newman takes it Woo. back nearly 70 yards. Franklin dove trying to pick up the yard on fourth and one. The ball squirted out. Newman comes up with it, takes it back. And for the time being, the scoreboard shows 33-30 Cincinnati.
Let's move on to the 2014 season. Again, the Bengals got off to a great start lap. They were 3-0 and with uh, Hugh Jackson calling up uh, some creative plays as the offensive coordinator after Jay Gruden moved on to Washington. They wound up that year 10-5-1, went back to the playoffs as a wild card team, but you'll recall that the, the wide receivers and tight ends were battered at the end of the regular season. They had to go to Indianapolis with basically no receiving weapons left. Rex right. lined up as a slot receiver. I think Kobe Hamilton started that playoff game at wide receiver, even though he did not have a catch uh, during the regular season. The Colts won that playoff game 26 to 10, the Bengals' fourth consecutive playoff loss in the uh, Dalton Green Horde Lapham era. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that, that season certainly was a was a roller coaster to, to say the least and you know injuries are one thing but injuries to key personnel at the most inopportune times that's that's you know quite another and, and that that's where the Bengals ended up you talk about limping and gimping to the finish line man they were just uh they were just flat out out of, out of gas there's no doubt about it I suspect we're going to select the same play from that season. There are a lot of great moments in week one. Andy Dalton threw a 77-yard touchdown pass to A.J. Green in the fourth quarter after they had fallen behind against Baltimore. That was the season where Andy had his 2.0 quarterback rating against Cleveland on Thursday night football and then rallied with three straight road wins after that where he played great at New Orleans, at Houston, at Tampa Bay. That featured uh, Johnny Manziel's first career NFL start. The Bengals taunted him with his money-rubbing gesture. They had three sacks, two picks. Uh, Johnny Manziel only threw for 80 yards in the game. The Bengals won 30-0. But I think we will agree that the play that stands out from the 2014 season came in the next-to-last game. It was Monday night football at home against the Denver Broncos. At that point, uh, the narrative had been established that the Bengals could not win in prime time with Andy Dalton at quarterback. That had basically been going on for four years. Uh, but Andy Dalton outdueled Peyton Manning in a 37 to 28 Bengals win. And the big play came on defense with less than three minutes to go. Hand gestures by Manning as he waits for the shotgun snap. Peyton has the football, fakes an inside handoff, throws to the right, nice. intercepted. Six, six, Drake Kirkpatrick running it six. back. The 10, the 5, touchdown! Oh, Drake Kirkpatrick Boom. picks off Peyton Manning and takes it to the house for a potential clinching touchdown. Yeah, that uh, that was Drake Kirkpatrick. Uh, great route recognition, great break on the football, and that's tough to do against Peyton Manning. You know, he doesn't usually give you that kind of a tip, stare a receiver down, uh, give you that kind of a, an opportunity to read his eyes and, and, and jump, you know, with route recognition, jump the route like Drake or Patrick did. But he picked that bad boy off and, uh, and took it to the house. Massive play again, unscripted, unconventional score against a great quarterback, a Hall of Fame quarterback. And uh, those are the kind of things that can decide football games for you. Trey had two interceptions in that game. Jeremy Hill also had an 85-yard touchdown run in that game. He was so great that year. Again, unfortunately, uh, the next week on the road at Pittsburgh, trying to win the AFC North, the Bengals wound up with a bunch of injuries. So did the Steelers, hurt both of the teams in the playoffs. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Bengals lost at Indianapolis 26-10. to We move on to 2015. 
our most enjoyable season together in the broadcast booth. It was an incredible year for the Bengals. They started eight and O best start in franchise history. They were 10 and two. They were the number one seed in the AFC at the time when Andy Dalton broke his thumb against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And while AJ McCarron did a great job in helping them finish 12 and four and win the division title and earn a home playoff game against the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, we remember what happened on a rainy night at Paul Brown Stadium, the infamous brawl at the Paul against the Steelers as the Bengals season came to an end, 1816. And unfortunately, they have not returned to the playoffs since. Yeah, that, that playoff game is uh, such such bad memories uh, overshadow or overflow, you know, the, the good ones and the uh, the Hill fumble. Um, you know, Pac-Man Jones and Vontez Burfick losing their poise and composure. I mean, all, all those kind of things just put an absolute uh, damper, to say the least, on a very, very successful season. They started 8-0 that season, finished 12-4, and win the division. Uh, the game, uh, the play that I like is uh, Andy Dalton, A.J. Green beating Pittsburgh to go 7-0, remain undefeated. And anytime you can beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, that, uh, that, that gets a vote. Um, it was a uh, well-timed, uh, well-thrown football. A.J. Green uh, got himself open tight quarters, not a very long touchdown pass, but it was well executed on both ends, throw and catch. Sean Williams set it up with an interception off Ben Roethlisberger. Here's how that game winner with less than three minutes to go sounded at Heinz Field in week seven. Dalton takes a shotgun snap. Quick throw nice. caught by Get Green. It, it is a yeah. touchdown. Yeah. Adriel Jeremiah Green from nine yards out. And the Bengals have the lead with 2.57 to go. All right, Lab. My most memorable play from that season came in the playoff loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've got to pick this moment provided by Vontez Burfick. First and 10, Pittsburgh down by a point. Landry Jones back to throw from his five over the middle. Perfect yeah! intercepts yeah! it. Vontez Burfick yeah! yeah! comes away with a football. Yeah! The Bengals have yeah! the ball with one minute and 36 seconds to go. Yeah. Vontez Perfect sprinting toward the locker room. He has run inside the locker room, which makes no sense. He better come back out before there's a penalty flag. The Bengals will have the ball. There was an injured Bengal around the 10. Wallace Gilberry, he's on his feet. Paul Sparling out to take a look. Wallace limping toward the sideline, but a leaping interception by Vontez Perfect in front of Marcus Wheaton gives the Bengals the ball with 1.36 to go. Do you remember how you felt after that interception? I mean, I thought it was over. The Bengals had won less than two minutes to go with the lead and the ball. The playoff drought in my head was over. Yeah, I remember Vontez Burfitt ran up the runway into the locker room basically with the football, and it was thunderous. I mean, Paul Brown Stadium was shaking. People were going absolutely bonkers, and you did. You know, you had a, you had a big feeling that, uh, that that football game had ended, but obviously not. Obviously, it unfolded, and uh, that, that, that football game is still, when you think back on it, the things that had to go wrong for them to lose that football game that did go wrong in losing that football game are still almost incomprehensible.
from that game alone, we could have selected A.J. McCarron's touchdown pass to A.J. Green that gave them the lead. Obviously, on the negative side, the Jeremy Hill fumble, which goes down as maybe the, the single most destructive play in franchise history that didn't involve an injury. Uh, but for that Vontez perfect interception, briefly, the playoff drought was over in my brain. Uh, that lasted for about 90 seconds before the very next play was the Jeremy Hill fumble. And unfortunately, uh, what should have been Marvin Lewis's first playoff victory slipped through, the, through their fingers. We move on to 2016. Unfortunately, that's when the playoff streak ended. The Bengals went 6-9-1. and one. one close loss after another. They had five losses. Their last five losses that year were by a total of 16 points. That was the year where Mike Nugent, who had been so good the previous six years, kind of had an inexplicable slump where he missed six PATs. He right. also mixed, uh, missed six field goals. Uh, those were significant in some of those uh, cl close losses. Oddly enough, he's still kicking. He kicked this year for the uh, Arizona Cardinals, but he just had a, a terrible stretch in 2016. If I've got to pick out one play from that season, there are a couple of possibilities. You may recall in week one, they played on 9-11 in New York against the Jets. They visited uh, the, the site of the Twin Towers when they arrived in New York the day before. And then on 9-11, they beat the Jets on a Mike Nugent field goal with 54 seconds to go. Uh, but for just one play, the one that stands out to me came at Paul Brown Stadium, week seven at home against the Cleveland Browns. Just before the half, they uh, broke Hugh Jackson's heart with a Hail Mary that uh, was answered in the end zone. Dalton back to throw. We're down to five seconds left in the half. He's going to throw a high, deep Hail Mary pass into the end on, zone. AJ. And it is bobbled oh, yeah! and caught. Yeah! AJ yeah, Green AJ! makes the catch Woo! on the ricochet Hail Mary. A 49-yard touchdown pass as Baby. a prayer is answered in the end zone by Adriel Jeremiah Green. Yeah, that Hail Mary was full of grace. And the grace was maybe one of the most graceful athletes in Cincinnati Bengal history, A.J. Green. I mean, he is uh, poetry, uh, in, uh, grace poetry. He really is. And, and the thing, the thing, everything that A.J. Green, all the qualities, the redeeming qualities he had as a receiver that A.J. Green was all about showed itself in, on that play. Um, his ability to time his jump the ability to high point, you know, a ball, the ability to have the eye-hand coordination, the juggling action to, to secure that football. Just an amazing play. I mean, there's very few people in the world that can do what A.J. Green did on, on that particular play because, you know, it was one of those, uh, in Hail Mary, there's always coverage, tight coverage, a lot of bodies around you, a lot of, a lot of people interfering with what you're trying to get done. And he still got it done. And it's just a spectacular effort by, by A.J. Green to make that play right before the half. Unfortunately, that was the first year, 2016, where A.J. had significant injury problems. He only basically played nine games that year. He had 964 receiving yards, basically in nine games. So he's averaging more than 100 yards per game. Uh, this past year, played the entire season, had 523 receiving yards. So... You know, unfortunately, he did come back the next year and, and stayed healthy, but 2016 was kind of the start of the deterioration in terms of injuries for A.J. Green. Yeah, it's uh, it's been 
a tough stretch for for AJ Green um, is I think all all the things we talked about a lot of those physical traits uh, he still has the eye hand coordination all those sort of things but man when your feet and your legs start to go and you're at that at that position that's when you can uh, you can start to have some problems obviously and that's what AJ AJ Green is experiencing a little bit uh, if you have a crack in the foundation and and uh, you know you have to run and plant and cut violently you know like he does uh issues can uh, can crop up for sure and he has not been able to perform at the level that aj green is accustomed to performing at for sure i'm sure i'm sure it's been extremely frustrating for aj green uh to go through what he's gone through there's no question about it we move on to 2017 the obvious highlight happened in the final game of the year we'll get to that in just a second but the the most memorable thing about that season for me lap was that it was the celebration of the Bengals' 50th season. Nearly yep. all of the team's all-time greats made it back to Paul Brown Stadium for halftime ceremonies that year. And those special Saturday night dinners before all of the home games where you and your former teammates and other players that came after you would, would reminisce about their times in a Bengals uniform, that was awesome. It really was, Dan, on a lot of levels because, you know, guys stay in touch with each other but actual, you know, face-to-face -face contact uh, is is not easy to accomplish a lot of times. You know, sometimes, you know, guys live a good distance away and you can't uh, make schedules coincide where, you know, you're going to be able to spend any time together. And honestly, every single one of those dinners was literally a reunion. It was unbelievable. I mean, there was always at least one player that I hadn't seen forever. You know, seeing guys like, uh, like Mike Reed, uh, you know, who I – obviously followed his career, the songwriting success and all that, and um, had seen him, had seen him on television, various reports and that kind of thing, but just had never been able to go up, shake his hand, you know, and, and talk to him for a while and, and to catch up with, uh, with, with people like that. It, it was just, uh, it was just remarkable. And, and I think a lot of guys, uh, a lot of guys were touched, you know, a lot of guys were moved by that and every, every single player, really relished that opportunity, that experience. And uh, they felt, you know, they felt uh, like they were special to the organization. You could, you could really feel it. And I thought it was really, really well done. And uh, meals, dinners were always great. Uh, stories and, and uh, company and camaraderie is even better. It was a great year. There's no doubt. The on-field highlight came in the final game of the year, New Year's Eve in Baltimore. The Bengals were 6-9. and nine. They didn't have much to play for. The Ravens, on the other hand, needed a win to go to the playoffs. The Bengals were looking at 4th and 12 at the Baltimore 49 with less than a minute to go, and here's how it sounded. Dalton catches the football. He's back to throw. Inches up in the pocket. Throws. Yeah. Caught by Boyd. To the 15. The 10. Yeah. The 5. Touchdown. Tyler Boyd Man. on 4th and 12. Man. It's a 49-yard touchdown. Ooh, and the Bengals lead with 44 seconds to go. Oddly enough, Lap, that play is probably more fondly remembered in Buffalo right. than it is in Cincinnati. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, Bill's Mafia, they opened their pocketbooks, man. I mean, that that ended, what, an 18-year uh, stretch? 17-year stretch without uh, making the playoffs. Uh, that, that's that's a big, big time. And, and Bill's Mafia, they showed their appreciation. They, they donated uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to Andy Dalton's foundation and Tyler Boyd's foundation so that was uh that was great uh the residual effect of, of that play 
for both of those players in, in the platform that they use to try to help people with their foundations all benefited. And man, you can't ask for more than that. That's what the National Football League and the power of the National Football League is all about. The Bengals finished that year with back-to-back wins over Detroit and Baltimore, even though they were out of contention. That was one of the reasons why Mike Brown elected to bring Marvin Lewis back for another year in 2018. Looked like that decision was a wise one when the Bengals started 4-1, and one, but their defense really struggled that year. They wound up firing defensive coordinator Terrell Austin during the season. Then Andy Dalton got hurt. Jeff Driscoll finished up at quarterback. Bengals went 6-10. and 10. And the Marvin Lewis era came to an end. And, and it was an unfortunate, uh, unfortunate ending. Um, like you said, the, the fact that they finished 2017 on an up note and start 2018 off well. But again, things that you can't foresee. I mean, if, if every coach was assured that the roster he broke training camp with was going to be available to him for every single game of, of the season, it'd be interesting to see how seasons would play out. But a big part of the National Football League is that old next man up because you're going to get injuries. And again, like we said earlier, you just hope that the injuries aren't to people that you cannot afford to lose. And when you start losing those kind of bodies, you're struggling. For on-field highlights, I will choose one from week four. The Bengals and Falcons in a shootout in Atlanta. The Bengals won the game on a game-winning touchdown pass. Dalton DeGreen with less than 10 seconds to go. Here's how it sounded. From the 13-yard line, 12 seconds to go. Dalton back to throw. Boom! Pass. Boom! Blocked yeah! by A.J. Green. Yeah! Touchdown! Boom! Bengals! Big! The clock is winding down, but it should be stopped with five seconds to go. Joe Mixon ran down the sideline and jumped on top of A.J. Green. So Joe Mixon was excited. We were excited. The Bengals won that game to improve to 3-1. and one. That was their last road win until the final road game of this season in Houston. So they uh, went through a long drought on the road after that victory in Atlanta. Oddly enough, that touchdown pass with seven seconds to go is one of two touchdown passes in Bengals history in the last 10 seconds of a game to win. The other one was thrown by Akili Smith in his first start the Bengals quarterback, a two-yard touchdown pass to Carl Pickens with five seconds to go in a one-point victory over Cleveland. Turned out to be about the uh, only passing highlight for Keeley Smith in his tenure with Cincinnati. Do you have a highlight that stands out for you in that 2018 season? I do, Dan. Um, but that play, the biggest thing that I remember about the A.J. Green touchdown catches, normally used to A.J. jumping, timing it, high-pointing it. That was a sliding catch, and, and he, the, he's had such body control and such uh, awareness of how to time things up with his body. I mean, he, he timed that slide perfectly, made a great catch. I mean, that was a spectacular play uh, that you picked right there. I'm going to go uh, a game against the Miami Dolphins during that season. The Bengals are down two touchdowns, 17-3, to three, and they got not only one unconventional, unscripted score defensively, they got two in one quarter and that is an unbelievable rarity and that was a, a big factor in the football game michael johnson defensive end has a pick six of 22 yards in distance and then sam hubbard courtesy of carlos dunlap knocking the ball out of the quarterback uh, quarterback's hands has a 19 yard fumble return and uh and the bengals have 14 points on the board 
in almost back-to-back series, I think it was, for the Miami Dolphins, all of a sudden, boom, Cincinnati's defense explode, explodes for two touchdowns and turns the game around. So we'll put those two defensive touchdowns together and count it as one highlight back-to-back a defensive scores in the fourth quarter. Here's how they sound. Tannehill takes the snap, fakes a handoff to Gore oh, under pressure, finish. steps up his pass, batted down, picked off by oh, the Bengals, and Michael oh, Johnson baby. runs it into the oh, end zone. Man. Touchdown, Bengals. Two deep safeties for the Bengals, about 13 yards back. Tannehill back to throw, under pressure, moving up, oh, got hit from behind, the ball oh, comes yes. loose, Hubbard. gets scooped up. Woo. Sam Hubbard runs it into the end zone, but there are two penalty flags near the 10-yard line. That's holding on the Dolphins, Dan. All right, Lap, let's move on to 2019, the start of the Zach Taylor era in Cincinnati. Obviously, it was a tough year for the Bengals. They started 0-11, the worst start in franchise history. They finished 2-14. The most memorable play of that season was probably, well, not even probably, undoubtedly against the Bengals, the famous Lamar Jackson spin-move touchdown sure. run at Paul Brown Stadium. But as for Bengals highlights, I think we agree. It came in week 12. The Bengals got off the schneid. Andy Dalton returned from a three-week exile as the Bengals' starting quarterback, led them to their first win of the year, 22-6 to over the Jets. And his first touchdown pass in that game allowed him to pass Kenny Anderson as the franchise's all-time record holder for career touchdown passes. Here's how it sounded. First and 10 at the 17 of the Jets. Dalton fakes a handoff from the pocket, throws over the middle. It is caught for a touchdown by Tyler Boyd. Andy Dalton threading the needle between two New York Jets defenders. And with that touchdown pass, the Red Rifle stands alone. Career touchdown pass number 198 in his NFL career more than any other quarterback in Bengals history. They both wear number 14, Kenny Anderson and Andy Dalton. And I'll tell you what, this throw is unbelievable. I mean, threading the needle. Uh, you have a defender dropping back underneath coverage and a, and a safety over the top. And Andy Dalton said, I trust Tyler Boyd. I'm going to zip it in there. And literally, if he was an inch either way, it would have been incomplete. But, man, great catch by Tyler Boyd maintain possession for that record-breaking touchdown pass to be of that variety certainly far from mundane it's nice when you break a record like that lap for it not to be like an easy routine play where you know you dump it off to the running back and he runs in from six yards andy dalton he lived up to the red rifle nickname on that touchdown pass yeah he definitely threaded the needle and tyler boyd is so good in those in those type of situations and you know, you, you look at Tyler Boyd, Dan, the thing about him that stands out in, in his great career as well is he adapts to almost any quarterback. He can find a rhythm and timing very, very quickly with just about any quarterback. They, they all seem to be able to, uh, to, to get in, in concert with him very, very abruptly and very, very, uh, you know, in a timely fashion. It's just something about the way he runs routes, the way he carries his body. And I think part of it is he played the quarterback position himself and Receivers that have played quarterback and see that position through a quarterback's eyes, I think normally have that type of uh, attribute, you know, where they can adjust to, to quarterbacks quickly. And Andy Dalton and Tyler Boyd, they made some big, big plays. Obviously, Andy Dalton and A.J. Green are connected at the hip. They came in first and second round picks, you know, back in 2011. And uh, that the Andy and A.J. show 
was was on and it was on big playoffs first five years of their career like we talked about but man Tyler Boyd and Andy Dalton made some beautiful music together as well and Tyler Boyd has done it with just about every Bengal quarterback that he's played with. So we move on to this past season, our 10th year together. Unfortunately, another year out of the playoffs as the Bengals finished 4-11-1. It'll be remembered as the start of the Joe Burrow era. The highlight that we should be able to play came in week one, a touchdown pass with seven seconds to go to A.J. Green that should have given Joe Burrow a game-winning touchdown drive, game-winning touchdown pass in the final 10 seconds in his NFL debut. Unfortunately, there's no point in playing the highlight because it didn't count thanks to kind of a ticky-tack offensive pass interference call on A.J. Yeah, it, it, that, that was, uh, they call him for a push-off. I mean, he's grabbed uh, from Jump Street as soon as he comes off the line of scrimmage running his route, and it was more than five-yard route. And he was still being grabbed, and he finally got frustrated and pushed off a little bit to separate from that grab, and he gets called. You know, it's the retaliatory guy a lot of times they see, and that's what happened there. They didn't see the entire play. They saw the end of the play and threw a flag, and it was unjust, uh, and it took, took a touchdown off the board and ultimately cost the Bengals the football game. Uh, and when Bullock obviously missed a, a, a chippy, and it went into overtime, but um, unfortunately... You know, that, uh, that that game did not end the way it should have. It should have been a game-winning touchdown drive at the end of the football game in his first NFL start for a rookie quarterback by the name of Joe Burrow that has an extremely bright future. There's no question. Joe certainly uh, provided plenty of highlights before he suffered his knee injury. There was the quarterback draw in that game for his first NFL touchdown. There were 406 passing yards in a game at home against the uh, Cleveland Browns. Great victory over Tennessee in week eight when he threw a couple of fourth quarter touchdown passes. Aside from Joe Burrow, I think of Samaj P. Ryan's long touchdown run in the win at Houston, yep. trip sack by uh, Sam Hubbard uh, late in that game. Uh, but if I've got to pick anything out, and I think you agree, it came just before Christmas, four days before Christmas on Monday Night Football, the Bengals about a two-touchdown underdog against their nemesis, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Juju Smith-Schuster had danced on the logo prior to the game and then put it on TikTok, uh, his habit uh, leading up to that game. And Von Bell said, you are not going to dance on our logo, Juju. Here's what happened in that game. Roethlisberger back to throw. Short pass oh. over the middle. Caught by Juju yeah, Smith-Schuster. The pick ball is popped away by Von Bell. It's scooped up by the Bengals nice. and returned to the 20, but they're saying it's an incomplete pass. Question is, did Smith-Schuster make a football move? Did he have possession and make a football move? That's close. I think that's a football move. I think that's a fumble. Playing After physical. reviewing the play, the receiver completed the process of a catch. As a result, it is a catch and a fumble. It was immediately after that game lap that Juju Smith-Schutzer announced that he would no longer be dancing on team logos prior to games. Yeah, uh, Mike Tomlin, I think, uh, was a big reason he made that announcement. I think Mike Tomlin said, uh, nah, baby, nah, no more of that. And the, the great thing about that is Von Bell called his shot uh, prior to the game uh, in, in, in Zoom call conferences. During the course of the week, he said, you know, people think that that's disrespectful and coming into our house doing that, something to that effect that, uh, you know, the best thing you do is take care of business, put a hit on, them, you know, and, and he did exactly, exactly what he said. It just unfolded uh, 
he, he let his, his words turn into physicality and actions on the football field. That was a big hit and a big play in that football game. Takeaways are enormous when you're, you know, the underdog. And uh, the Bengals have had their troubles against the Pittsburgh Steelers. That snapped a drought of 11 straight losses to the Pittsburgh Steelers and then beating them on national TV like that, Monday night football in front of the whole nation. That was, uh, had to be a sweet feeling for Von Bell and every Cincinnati Bengal for sure. All right, so that pretty much wraps up our 10 years together. Uh, some great moments over the course of 10 years, and there's a symmetry there, Lap. Playoffs in our first five years together, yeah. out of the playoffs in our next five years together. So that can only mean one thing. The Bengals yeah. are about to start a stretch of five straight playoff appearances in 2021. No question. And five straight years where they win at least one playoff game. Perfect. <laughs> that, would that, that would be awesome, man. That would be, that was, be extraordinary. And uh, I will say, though, with Joe Burrow at quarterback, get, get him surrounded with people that can let that guy operate. The thing that I respect most about Joe Burrow, Dan, is how much he loves the grind. You know, the, the work that he puts in. You know, you're a Hall of Fame broadcaster. You're, you're a talented guy. You've got a lot, of, uh, a lot of ability. But you don't take it for granted. I mean, you work your tail off. That's what Joe Burrow does. Joe Burrow has some physical abilities. He doesn't take it for granted. He, he's the first one in, the last to leave. He works his tail off. I mean, he's, gonna, uh, he's, he's never going to say, eh, I'm just going to show up. I'm just going to, you know, check, it, check out and, and just show up and, and not, not, not put in the work. He loves put in the work and that's what makes good players great great players the greatest you know hall of fame type guys so i'm excited about uh seeing his whole career unfold over the years because he's got the tangibles and the intangibles you better include yourself on that hard working list because i can't even read the hieroglyphics that you write down in tiny pencil <laughs> on your uh, your note sheets prior to every game you know, it's funny. That was heredit that's hereditary. My dad was an artist, went to New England School of Art, and he was a technical illustrator by trade. So he'd do these little tiny rocket engine parts. He'd have to diagram and all that. I think he could write the Gettysburg Address on a penny. You know, he's one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so I inherited that a little bit, I guess. <laughs> all right. Well, ten years have flown by. It's been awesome. Uh, it's been such a joy to spend my Sundays and sometimes Mondays and Thursdays with you. And uh, let's hope the next 10 are just as fun. Here, here. I'm with you, my man. Toast to that. Cheers to that. We hope you enjoyed that look back at our decade in the broadcast booth brought to you by Bud Light Seltzer. Refresh the game. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe. And if you have a minute, give it a rating or share a comment. That helps more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde, and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast. <laughs>